This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Designed specifically for venture-backed startups, Brex is the perfect corporate card for fast-growing companies. Head to brex.com and sign up with the promo TFR to get waived card fees for life. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to The Full Ratchet. On today's special segment of Investor Stories, the investors address trends, sectors, and markets that they think are positioned for outsized returns in the future. This is the segment called What's Next? On today's special segment, we have Ben Einstein of Bolt. Ben, as you look forward, can you talk about sectors or trends that you're bullish on and why it is that you're so excited? Sure. Yeah, I think there are many trends that everybody's excited about that I'm actually less excited about. Things like drones and VR, AR and other sort of um, really popular sort of hypey areas. Um, I do think there's going to be lots of interesting stuff there and consumers are going to see a lot of value. But um, it's actually something I'm less excited about than the average investor. Um, I get really pumped about the the least sexy types of companies. And so many times these are sort of enterprise or B2B products um, putting some you know sort of new automation or good design or sort of streamlining the process uh, uh uh, in, into some world uh, where you just don't think that technology can exist. Uh, and so these are things like oil and gas or, you know, sort of complex aerospace stuff uh, or, or places where robotics can get really interesting. Um, I think a lot of these issues are, um, are are much more interesting to me as a, as a sort of area to play in because the, the sort of incremental change that you can affect in the world is so much higher than selling another gadget um, to the average consumer. Uh, and so I, I find, I find that uh, that area of the world, um, which I know is huge and not very specific, um, uh, far more interesting than the sort of general consumer electronic products that we see. Very cool. On today's special segment, we have Stuart Larkins and Ezra Galston of Chicago Ventures. Guys, as you look forward, can you talk about sectors or trends that you're bullish on and why it is that you're excited about them? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um Everyone wants to be contrarian, but in my spare time, I, I love to I love to trade. Um, people around the office knows that I love you know I love trading Bitcoin and, and altcoins, and um, and one of the things that you learn, and, and this is really you know this is you know Buffett or, or really anyone, is that in in periods of chaos or in periods where market sentiment is at its ultimate bearishness, um, is often when the greatest kind of pockets of opportunity exist, um, and so you know. Just as one example, over the last you know three months, um, with the massive kind of fallout around the fintech sector, with Lending Club and Avant, and you know layoffs and nearly front page stories on the Wall, you know, of the Wall Street Journal um, about you know some of the reporting or problems or investors no longer interested in buying the loans, I started thinking to myself, like in a period of chaos, what are some of the opportunities that will exist? And so, what I've spent much of kind of the last couple of months doing is trying to understand, you know, maybe what went wrong, um, if anything. And it could be that nothing's wrong. It's just an overreaction. And then where pockets of opportunity may exist. So so for us, and I'm spending a lot of time in, in fintech, and you should know that other people within the fund are spending a lot of time in compliance or, or in government. 
to kind of very unsexy areas where we think that you know there's a fair amount of regulation and chaos and, and it's interesting but but as for me as pertains fintech my big thesis is that you've had you're coming out of kind of a period of call it 5 6 years where a large percentage of consumers in America were basically able to live off venture subsidies or uh, meaning you know venture back companies who were doling out money on on the cheap or without a whole lot of uh, without a ton of kind of you know due diligence or, or whatever it might be as well as um, were able to in many ways then kind of ignore the necessity of actually credit building or actually saving or any of the sustainable kind of things that consumers should do with their own financial health. And so we've spent a lot of time trying to unpack the entire kind of personal finance management revolution, understand what went right, what went wrong. And where we're very focused is in areas of kind of sustainable personal financial health building in ways that are kind of not short-term stopgap solutions, but very long-term solutions. Um, so that's one that's one example of kind of a marketing chaos where as soon as we spotted the chaos, we kind of dug in in a big way. And, and one of the things that we benefit from is, especially in Chicago, is an extraordinary network, not just in Chicago, in our fund as well, is an extraordinary network of executives and entrepreneurs in financial services and who have built fintech companies themselves um, who can be, you know, value additive in, in understanding the market um, and understanding the opportunities and avoiding uh, avoiding some of the bull traps or bear traps that, that might exist. I feel like there should be some poker strategy or, or parallel here somewhere. <laughs> uh, there's a ton of poker strategy. I mean, you're, you know, I, I, I was never the best poker player. What I was very good at was this is not necessarily something I'm proud of, but but spotting opportunities of kind of emotional anxiety or overwhelm, right? You know, it, it is uh, poker is a very psychological game. Golf is a psychological game. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Tiger, who went from the best in the world to you know with a psychological break. I, I actually don't follow golf as closely now. Stewart's the big golfer, but you know, you you know as better than anyone. Golf is the most psychological game, right? Yeah, week to week. Look week to week. Jo- look at Jordan Spieth. <laughs> that, that one shot at Augusta that just kind of set his career back this year. So poker is poker is very similar. And, you know, that's that's really what you're kind of betting into and, and betting on. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Your startup is going to change the world and the right corporate card will get you there even faster. The Brex corporate card for startups offers 10 to 20 times higher limits than traditional corporate cards, automated expense tools, and huge rewards like four times points back on travel, three times back on restaurants, and two times back on recurring SaaS spend. And all with no personal guarantee. Sign up at brex.com and get waived card fees for life with the code TFR. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Assure. For over three years, Newstack has been raising capital on a deal-by-deal basis, allowing individual investors to select each startup investment. Assure is the company behind the scenes that powers this process. When we have 10, 20, or 30 angels investing in a startup, we can't put all those folks directly on the startup's cap table. So those investors are rolled into a special purpose vehicle that occupies just one line item on the cap table. And Assure handles all ongoing fees, finances, and K-1s for us. We pay a one-time upfront fee and avoid all the required yearly admin filings and bills. If you run an angel group or you would like your LPs to invest in deal-by-deal sidecars, Go to assure.co slash TFR for 20% off your first SPV. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. 
Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have David Cowan of Bessemer Venture Partners. David, so clearly you're a big supporter of space tech, but as you look forward, can you talk about sectors or trends that you're bullish on and why it is that you're excited about them? Yes, there are, of course, many interesting areas of innovation today. I think, personally, I think the most interesting area is what's now being called deep learning. And this is really the exploitation of neural networks at a time when we now have the computing capability to solve interesting problems and we have enormous stores of data that we can use to train these neural networks. Neural networks have been around for a long time. Uh, When I was in school studying computer science, I made my own neural network, but it was running on a 286 AT and it didn't really have much horsepower. Uh, More recently, we now have all these NoSQL big data technologies that allow us to train neural networks. But more importantly, we have the computing capability to run them. And the big advance that enabled that was the utilization of GPUs, of graphic processing units, and applying them to neural networks. So GPUs were designed by companies like NVIDIA to manage the graphics on computer displays. And they have to do this in parallel. All the pixels on your monitor have to be refreshed very, very quickly in real time. And there are many, many pixels that it has to refresh in order to provide an engaging, high-resolution, full-color experience. And so it turns out that that you're really solving the same mathematical problems as, as what you have in a neural network that simulates the parallel architecture of a brain where neurons are firing very quickly in parallel across a system. So by using those GPUs, we're able to make neural networks work much faster. And now more recently, there's there's a, a slate of startups who are building TPUs, tensor processing units, which are really just GPUs without the extra baggage of the graphics, just the core network, parallel network capabilities. And that's... that's uh, accelerating the computing capability even faster. And so now with, with neural networks that, ha- that can be trained, that can, that can run at speeds approaching, at least approaching orders of magnitude of human thought, we, we can solve problems that we couldn't solve before. And, you know, in a way that's, it has some very profound social implications because, because many of the jobs that we have always thought of as human jobs will be doable by neural networks. And in many cases, neural networks can do them better. Neural networks can can be smarter and, of course, don't require vacations or health benefits or any sleep. So there's a lot of ways that this is going to change our lives. One of the most uh, prominent and impressive is self-driving cars, which is a manifestation of this, of this phenomenon. Are there certain tiers of administrative work and or knowledge work that these neural network advances can can go after first in terms of 
being able to to accomplish them? So, well, self-driving cars is definitely uh, you know, a huge a huge industry that's going to change how we do logistics on this planet. Um, a, a, another very important domain of neural networks is visual recognition. The fact that neural networks can recognize objects in in a picture or a video, and that allows all kinds of of intelligence and monitoring and other things to happen. I think probably the most important though is in the area of natural language processing. Yep. Because we can now now that now that computers can actually speak and understand English or whatever your language is, we now have a new paradigm for delivering services to people. Forget about we we've already seen a huge shift from computer-based applications to mobile apps which were which were more intuitive and more intimate and closer to the user. I think we're going to see the same shift over the next 10 years from apps to app-less services that are delivered through natural language. We are all surrounded now by microphones and speakers and usually screens so that we can have a conversation with AI entities around us and they can do whatever it is that we need to do without us having to learn an app, without us having to fire up a phone or a computer and go through menus and swipe and all of this. We just say what we want. There's no faster learning curve than that. And that's such a dominant user interface that my expectation is that pretty much all personal computing is going to uh, be disrupted by by newcomers who use natural language processing. And of course, there'll be all kinds of new applications that are unlocked. Um, if you have an Amazon Echo in your home, for example, uh, then you've probably discovered the shopping list app where you say, Alexa, add pickles to the shopping list. And she she does it. That's right. That, that's a, that's that's an application which once once you're once you've used it, it's sort of it's so it, it's so uh, fantastic. You don't want to give it up. And yet, if it weren't for this natural language interface, you wouldn't use a computer to do that. I'm not going to take out my phone and pull out a shopping list app so that I can then, you know, poke away and say pickles on it or something. It just doesn't work. But because of the immediacy of the natural language, it's it's something that a computer can now make super convenient. Coincidentally, I was just talking with my wife yesterday, and she's finding herself speaking to Alexa in rooms where we don't have a device. So she's asking for the weather or adding to the shopping list and going, oh, we don't have an Echo in here. <laughs> yeah, you need, the, just get an Echo Dot, right? Right. They're, they're, they're super cheap. I mean, the whole point is that because all of the intelligence is in the cloud, really all you have to pay for is the microphone, the speaker, and the Wi-Fi radio. That's that's all you need. Um, and you and the and AI w- will be everywhere. I, I happen to think also that screens really enhance the conversation. And I'm looking forward to what Samsung is going to do with Viv. I'm hoping that that uh, because Samsung owns so much TV real estate in people's homes, that they use that to make the TV screen part of the conversation with your AI. We all, when you talk to Siri, for example, it's often very useful to be able to look at the screen as Siri presents you options or shows you a map or something. Right. And uh, and I, I think that's that's going to be very useful. It's not necessary. And there'll be lots of times, for example, when we're driving or, or other times when we don't have a screen. But um, but I think that's going to be that's going to be less the case over time, especially as we don't have to drive anymore. 
That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, overprepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.